This podcast is sponsored by the Roofing Alliance, advancing the roofing industry since 1996 through technology and research, philanthropy, and education. Learn more about the Roofing Alliance at roofingalliance.net. Welcome to the 12th episode in Season 1 of Stories of an Extraordinary Industry presented by NRCA, the National Roofing Contractors Association. I am your host, Jared Ribble. Phew, we just came through quite the election season, didn't we? Half of the country feels hopeful and the other half fearful. Social media and cable news seem to work in tandem to feed our individual bias toward the other. And brick by brick, walls of division are being built. If you are disheartened by what seems to be the divided states of America these days, this story will be an encouragement to you. It was for me. And we all can learn something about turning really big dreams into reality. The big dreamer in our story is John Francis, the CEO of NV Roofing in Virginia. So I was 36, 37. Our office was in Falls Church at the time, and it was four miles from the Pentagon. You know, I was on my way to Annapolis, actually, when the first tower got hit. I'm an AM junkie, you know, listener. So I, I, I heard everything, you know, as it was happening, as I was driving. As soon as I heard that the second plane hit, I actually uh, did a U-turn onto the grass and it came back home. I, I knew instantly that this wasn't an accident. 34 minutes after John did that U-turn, at 9.37 a.m. September 11, 2001, American Airlines Flight 77 would smash into the Pentagon, killing 125 people inside and leaving all 64 passengers on the plane dead. From his office in Falls Church four miles away, John Francis could see the smoke billowing into the air shocked, of course. And then I remember being very, very angry. You know, once it was confirmed, we love the military. We love this country. We, uh, we bleed red, white, and blue. And so then it went to, well, what, what do you do when, you know, when you're in a crisis area? I want to go do something. And then I was on the phone with one of our sales folks. I said, we should replace that roof for free. Of course, not realizing there was over you know forty thousand square feet of, of, of roofing that needed to be done. We were a, at that time we were a small five million dollar company and probably full of piss and vinegar. And I said, you know, we got to replace this roof for free. We got to show them that you know you're not going to make a dent in us. We're America. We can do anything. We can overcome this. I actually went up on the roof. I don't know within six days after that and met with you know the head engineer out there and took several slate samples and you know. I say, let's just get this done. And I honestly didn't know how the heck we were going to do it. Uh, I really wasn't even thinking that far ahead. I just wanted to. And we had no DOD experience. We had no uh, government uh, work at all at that time. It was a lot of single family homes and townhouses. They had so many different uh, rules and regulations. We were not built for crews to sit there for two to three hours every day to figure out how they were going to get into the gates that day. <laughs> John's dream may not have been right-sized for his own company, but John was not trying to serve his company. He was trying to serve his country. Too small be damned. He started making phone calls, and Bill Good, NRCA's CEO at the time, picked up the phone. A guy named John Francis, whom I had never met, and he said, I think 
we ought to do something as an industry, and our idea is to give back the roof to the Pentagon. What do you think? Let's show the world that you, know, you can't put America down. You can attack us, but you're, you're not going to slow us down. You're not going to stop us. You're not going to make us afraid. And I said, it would, what a great symbol that would be to get this roof replaced for free, you know, that we as Americans come together and do this. What can you say? I, it's a great idea. I have no idea if we can do it, but at least I can ask some questions and start the process. So we have had a member who was part of the facilities management team at the Pentagon, and he's in charge of the roof. Don't know this guy either, uh, but, I, but I have a name. So I call him, tell him what we're thinking about, and he says, um, I like your idea. I have no idea if it's possible, but I can get you a meeting. If you remember at the time, both of the D.C. airports were closed, but after a couple of weeks, I could fly into Baltimore. Um, which I did with about four other passengers, <laughs> escorted in, by the way, by F-15s. It was really, really pretty cool experience. But uh, I had a full-time security guy assigned to me who told me, um, I'm your new best friend because when you go to the bathroom, I go to the bathroom and, you know, we're, we're going everywhere together. It was still, at that time, it was still classified as an FBI crime scene. Um, because they hadn't made an official determination about what had happened. Everybody kind of knew what had happened, but it hadn't been officially ruled as a terrorist attack. Uh, that first day, I got to go up on the roof. You could still smell stuff. Kind of weird to describe, but there was a distinct odor there. And I'm not sure what it all was. I'm sure part of it was just the smoldering remains of, of the fires that were there. Um, there were windows blown out um, that were not even close to where the plane hit. So it had to have been a pretty significant explosion that happened. There was dust all over. There was um, plane debris still on the roof. They hadn't cleaned all that off. And I met with a woman. I don't remember her name. She was the colonel who was in charge of the rebuilding project. She knew a little bit about why I was there, but uh, we had a conversation um, that was very one-sided, and she basically told me, um, I'm not interested in working with you. Uh, I have my orders, and my orders are to get this roof rebuilt, and if you in any way get in my way, um, I, you're going to become my worst enemy. <laughs> so pleasantries like that. So I said, okay, um, and went down, and we had a little meeting in a conference room, and uh, there was very little enthusiasm for any of this um, from the Pentagon. Good try, Bill. Thanks for the effort. John, it looks like your audacious goal of repairing the Pentagon roof has melted away. Wait, not yet. So I could fly back to Chicago and I called uh, Craig Brighto, who at the time uh, headed our Washington, D.C. office, um, related uh, what had happened. And uh, Craig said, well, let me let me try something. He said, we're pretty good friends with Congressman Tom Davis. Remember, Congressman Davis was on the Armed Services Committee, which has responsibility for the Department of Defense. So Congressman Davis, unbeknownst to us, writes a letter to Donald Rumsfeld, who's the head of the Department of Defense at the time. Stop and think about that for a second. One common man's dream made it all the way to the desk of Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld. I had arranged to go back for a follow-up meeting a week later. Same security guy greeted me, same conference kind of room, and I had very low expectations. And I walk into a room full of maybe 25 um, Pentagon people, including attorneys, communications staff, um, logistics people, facilities managers, 
and my friend, the Colonel, who now is, oh, Bill, I'm so happy to see you again. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so the letter worked, <laughs> obviously, and Rumsfeld got to somebody and said, you need to work with these people and see if you can make it happen. And the group gets down to business planning. The next step in the process was identifying the contractor. Called a bunch of members of ours in the D.C. area. And there was kind of a consensus that it ought to be uh, Jim Myers, with James Myers' company, um, because he had the, uh, the scale to be able to do the work, had done work on the Pentagon, was familiar with the building, and was regarded highly regarded by his competitors for quality work. Welcome to our story, Richard Myers of the James Myers Company. So he ended up calling my dad, and they didn't know each other before this. He asked him, he said, would you guys be able to help with this? His first reaction, he was a little bit skittish about it because he didn't know exactly how this was going to work. He understands how to do government work. So um, he, he had to think about it. We've done a fair amount of work for the Department of Defense as well, a good amount of work at the Pentagon over the years. Starting in the uh, 1990s, we did some roof renovation work. Part of the thinking was he was willing to, to you know, donate some of the resources of, of his business to be able to take this on. Um, but part of it certainly was um, he could take a significant hit if things went south. Um, and he knew that he was going to be sort of in the spotlight too, which is both good and bad in those kind of circumstances. But he didn't think long. My dad said, let me call you right back. I'm going to call my son. And that's me. And he called me. And at first I was like, geez, what, what's going to be involved in this? Can we handle this? And, 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 you know, I said, you know what? How can we say no to this? This is something we have to do. We have to help and we have to show that the NRCA is willing to help our country at a time of need. And that's, that was a consensus between my dad and I. So he called Bill 